podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, welcome back to Who Got The Assist, Series 7, and we're in the aftermath of the opening weekend of the 2023-24 season. Looking ahead to Game Week 2 and also picking over the wreckage of Game Week 1. And What a Game Week it was, especially to begin with. We're still kind of a little bit in the Game Week as well, I should probably add, as Sam mentioned in a minute. But hey, there we go, it's just pod scheduling, all that sort of thing. I'm Tom. I'm here with a tentative beer uh, following a heavy Saturday at a wedding. Um, I was kind of watching the games through sofa score. Um, Nick occasionally came over and said, oh, Dada scored. And I was like, oh, oh, that's great. Or, oh, no, that's really bad. But I don't really remember very much, if I'm honest. Like after kind of three o'clock, it all kind of went downhill. Saw the three o'clock lineups at two. That was it. So, yeah, this has been an interesting opening week for me. Um, but hey, you know, it is what it is. I'm joined by Sam, as always. You all right? Yeah, good thanks, Tom. Yeah, I, I was away this weekend as well. I was up in Shrewsbury. I wasn't quite as drunk as you, I don't think. So I was keeping a little bit more of a close eye on things. And yeah, the returns kept rolling in for a lot of us this week. So it was a good start to the FPL season. I really enjoyed this game week so far. And as Tom mentioned, we are still in the midst of it. Man United Wolves is going on as we speak. It's half time as we start the pod. So if one of us starts cheering halfway through, you know that either Rashford or Bruno has probably bagged a return. Although at half time, it's not looking too likely as it stands. We are Who Got The Assist. Uh, you can find Tom and the main account over on Twitter or X as it's now called at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find that main account on Instagram or threads at WGTA.FPL. And you can find me at FPL Pricey on all of the aforementioned and on YouTube as well, if you wanted to. We also still do have the mini league open, I believe, for at least another couple of weeks. So if you want to get involved in that, there's already a lot of us in there. So do get involved in what is looking like a very competitive mini league this season. Uh, the mini league code is M-I-N-L-U-D. So do get involved in that. We'll close it off in a few weeks, but we'll leave it open for now, just in case any of you want to get involved uh, after the Game Week 1 deadline has gone. On today's pod, uh, it's a fairly simple one. Obviously, we've not got that much to talk about other than Game Week 1 itself. So we will go through our Game Week reviews so far. Obviously, like I mentioned, we're midweek technically at the moment, just wrapping up the final game, uh, but not too many moving parts at this point. So we'll give a fairly comprehensive review of our scores so far. We'll also do a contemplate section. Obviously, there's a lot going on at the moment with injuries and with rotations. So we're going to talk about whether or not we want to just roll or whether there might be other moves that can be made and might be more popular amongst the community at, over the coming days. Then we're going to go through any other knee-jerk thoughts that we might have surrounding game week two and the deadline approaching on Friday. Um, before we have a quick bowl claims catch-up, we both posted our bowl claims last week ahead of the game week one deadline. We'll see how those got on and how the community bowl claim got on. And we'll also be posing our latest bowl claims ahead of the game week two deadline. Fingers crossed we can at least get on the scoreboard sometime soon. We'll also finally wrap up with some listener questions. A lot of you were kind enough to uh, post your questions on Twitter earlier today. So we'll wrap up with as many of them as possible before having a look at our teams ahead of the game week two deadline. Like I mentioned, we're recording on Monday the 14th of August during the Man United Wolves game. It will wrap up, it will finish off whilst we're recording, I'm sure. So we should be able to do a little bit of a post-mortem of that as we wrap up the pod as well. Cool, excellent. I, I was to say, we, 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 I thought we were going to do a fairly kind of short pod, but I've realised that there's so many things there, you're reading them off. We've got quite a lot to cover, haven't we? So I suppose we should probably get into it. Um, Let's do it. We do kind of game week reviews first. And, and normally, I suppose, we'd have two screens. But right now, because we ended up with an identical team, despite all of the faffing just before, <laughs> we somehow managed to conspire to be sending each other frantic messages and found ourselves on the same team uh, somehow. Yeah. Um, well, near enough. It's actually one, one difference, which is absolutely pathetic, really. But hey, there we go. It's the nature of the prices. It's not a uh, it's, it's, it's not a consensus or anything like that. Uh, so, mm. I mean, final draft-wise, obviously things were slightly impacted by uh, those final moments, weren't they, Sam? 
Yeah, so the final frantic 30 minutes or so, lots of us were tuning into different deadline streams. News was coming in about the Man City lineup. I think about an hour before kickoff, we got word that John Stones uh, wouldn't be playing. I can't remember which source broke that. It might have been um, on Twitter directly, but John Stones wasn't going to be in the lineup. So obviously both of us had him in our sides to begin with. And had to, well, I messaged you straight away in big capital letters saying, John Stones is out, mate. So we both had to frantically figure out a plan for that. And then about two or three minutes before the deadline, uh, obviously, as we're all now aware, the news about Gabriel not starting the next day broke, which gave us a very, very limited amount of time to react. We both ended up simultaneously coming to the same decision, which seemed to be Gabriel to Saliba last minute. And my sincere condolences to anyone who wasn't able to react in that time. A lot of people were at Fest as well. And I think there might have been some issues reacting to the news when you're busy drinking and you're busy out with friends as well. So no expectation um, that anyone would see that in time. But if you get the news and you see it, like Tom and I did, we reacted. And obviously the first thing we thought to do was bring in Saliba um, yeah. as a direct replacement. Our game week scores are obviously identical at the moment on 73 halfway through the Man United game. We do have one difference, as Tom mentioned. Uh, again, during our little back and forth in the final half an hour, we were debating whether or not uh, we wanted that extra 0.5 million spare. I have a really good positive gut feeling about a doggy, um, which I'm pretty sure is the right pronounce, uh, pronunciation based on uh, the match yesterday. And so I was happy not to save that 0.5 million and have him in place ready for the coming game weeks. You went a slightly different angle, didn't you? Yeah, so I, I sold stones and went straight down to the 4.0 uh, just because I, I don't know, I, I felt like I was talking to Praz about this on Twitter earlier on, but I felt like in such like a pressurized decision making environment, it, it just felt like erring on the side of caution. Like, because I was fairly sure that Kabore was going to play, and I was fairly sure that Baldock was going to play, and I was fairly mm. sure that my 11 was going to play. So I thought, you know what, I can save 0.5 and have some flexibility later on. And I think one of the, the key sort of thing that we both sort of did, so, so last pods, we were talking a lot about Jal Pedro. And yes. both of us, um, with the Stones news, took the play at the defender down to 4.0 because there was a, if you remember last week, there was a bench problem where you had Chilwell on the bench and mm -hmm. Stones playing. And so that, that all being removed meant that you had a bit of money left over. And we both kind of, when we were texting frantically, we were both like, oh, you know, the 6.5 slot can be opened up again um, from in midfield. And we both always said, you know, we've both spoken about it a little bit for our preseason, that, you know, having those midfielders within that sort of price point, we've got a question on that later from Dave Caesar at FPL, I believe, that having a player within that price point is probably going to be quite good for just flexibility and just getting people, getting players in as the fixtures move, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so on. So I got Matoma in kind of, at, at that point but it was so sort of it's, it's one of those where I was so convinced oh, I, had, I had my that team so ingrained in my mind that Nick came over to me at the wedding and said oh Joe Pedro scored penalty any I was just like yes and I realized <laughs> that two seconds later I didn't have Joe Pedro anymore I removed him for Matoma and it's such you know if I'd be odd that you have the last minute decision making meant that everything that you kind of been planning for quite a while, some elements of that just got thrown in the bin at the very last second. But I got so lucky on Friday, Sam. Like I said to you, I was just stepping off a train and had signal when it all sort of kicked off about them. Mm. So I, I saw the Stones news while I was on the train, which is okay. So there's a little bit of time. But I just stepped off the train to London like when um, the, the Gabrielle thing came through from Andy, let's talk FPL. And I happened to have signal. But if I had left 15 minutes later, I'd been stuck in the tunnel between Kidbrook and Blackheath and been totally unable to make any changes, you know? So I just yeah. happened to be in the right place at the right time to do Gabriel to sleep of seconds to spare. I mean, I saw Josh and the West cheating and Joe from Fans Football Scout were two kind of prominent community members, perhaps, who were caught up by the Gabriel news. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those where, yeah, we, we, we talk about leaks a lot and it, it's, it's not particularly interesting to, because it, unfortunately, and I think it got slightly muted by the excitement of the game relaunching before uh, this year. And um, the, there was huge disappointment that FPL didn't change anything, anything at all when it relaunched. 
but I, I just don't think it, it it didn't really get enough coverage. And I think you know, at the end of end of last year, there's this real sort of groundswell of oh, they've got to make changes, they've got to make changes. And that all seems to be forgotten pretty much, including by us. That's that's, that's yeah. Honest. We were really interested in what was going on this year too. And but it does um, seem pretty mad that there's so much power concentrated in a few hands, uh, getting information, and then then sharing the privileged information. Uh, we, we know that's kind of where it is right now. But I, I don't know, it, it, it kind of detracts from the, the whole experience. It feels like quite a grubby edge to have. I don't like it very much. Like, For example, I'm already earmarking if the first game of every weekend coming up is going to be a Friday or the Saturday is going to feature a, 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 a game between teams who are FPL relevant. So not this week, but next week. The first, the Friday game is Chelsea versus Luton, for example. I guess most of us would be marginally interested in another Chelsea player if we don't already have you know, two or three. But am mm. I going to make a transfer next week without seeing a leak? Absolutely not. You know, it, it, should, it shouldn't really be that way that my decisions are hanging on some privileged information that we otherwise shouldn't have. But you know, that seems to be the, the way of things now. The, the only difference I would say is that the Gabriel to Saliba stuff wasn't a direct leak about the game that was just coming up. It was like proper sort of insider info. Josh yeah. always used to likened it to insider trading. And it's very... Yeah, it's it's a very strange one to pass, and you know, as you said, I've I complete sympathy if you just missed that because you had life in front of you, you know, detracting mm. from your attention. And um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just such a a gnarly, grubby sort of point, isn't it? To, and in some ways, you know, if yeah, it would, obviously it would have been great if Saliba had got his clean sheet to go with his brilliant assist. But equally, I think we both sort of, uh, I, I, I feel like that would have been like the grubbiest of grubby twelve points. Not that I wouldn't have, you know, taken it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you're you're hardly giving it back, are you? But yeah, I was saying to you at the time, it felt a bit dirty having been able to make that that transfer at the time. And obviously you're going to take that information and use it if you get given it. And that's also why I've got absolutely nothing against the, the content creator. Obviously, in this case, it was Andy getting the information and then passing it on. You're, I think if you get that information... Um, you are you are almost not morally obliged to, but I think he did the right thing in passing it on and he had about two minutes to do it. So I don't think he did anything wrong there. It's more from the, the back, it's the people giving him and giving content creators the information at very specific allocated times when they know they're streaming and they know that they can cause a bit of a stir and a bit of drama. It's on them rather than the, than the content creators receiving the information, I think. So I don't really know if there's any easy way of solving this. And it's something that's probably going to be cropping up again and again this season because content creators are getting very big now. We've got numbers in the hundreds of thousands on YouTube and on Twitter, we know how big the community is. So there is going to be an interest from these leakers to provide the information to the large accounts. And I think we'll just keep seeing it. So from now on, if I'm seeing an early kickoff or I know that there's going to be a transfer I want to make, then I'll probably pencil it in more than... At more than anything else and just have a asterisk next to it all week ready and waiting if the news that we receive isn't negative and then have a, a plan b just in case something else were to come out and always mm. always try and be as flexible as possible but like you say it i do have massive sympathy because life gets in the way like i again i was a bit like you i was quite quite fortunate that it was a friday deadline if it was a saturday deadline there's no chance i would have been able to react at the deadline because i was driving so if that happens another week i miss i miss the news i miss out on the transfer and i'm probably one of the annoyed people right now and you have every right to be annoyed but obviously there are certain people who are able to receive that news in any given game week and you get the advantage that week. I think over the season that probably balances out a little bit. But again, heartfelt sympathy to people in different time zones as well because they might be asleep during most deadlines. So it's another issue that will constantly crop up. Um, I don't know sure. if there's any re real proper solution to it as it stands other than fpl moving back the deadline as we've discussed on this pod before but yep. for the time being i think we're just going to have to live with it yeah i think it's got to be at at the first kickoff and there's no other way around it i think if, if, if they put it back to the night before you'd still get people you'd still probably get yeah. some evidence of a leak because if you think about it teams on the final day of training it's not like on the day they find out who's playing like you know Almost definitely, they'll have set up to play a certain way. Um, I think that's where the Gabrielle leak came from. That they yeah. knew that 
Gabriel was not playing in kind of the starting 11 in training the day before. So we'd still get that element of leaking. But if you just have the deadline, first kickoff, removes all the silliness. Okay, we're locked out for the rest of the rest of it, but at least we can make decisions with everything in mind. And plus people who are in other time zones get to sleep a bit longer. So, yeah. you know, it's a win-win for everybody involved. But hey, there we go. FPL decides to do this. We've all signed up to play this game. What more can you do except to kind of be a bit annoyed about it every now and again? Obviously, not annoyed at, not annoyed at Andy or anything like that. That's, no, no, no. It's, 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 he's very good to share to share it. Shouldn't have apologised. He should have owned it. Um, but fair enough. Right. Um, shall we, um, I guess, relate to this as we've got to kind of contemplate this week? Yes. Not too much going on, I would say, for most people. We will mm. get on to, obviously, if you own Gabriel and Stones in a minute, because there are a few questions about that one. So people indeed did miss the Stones' use too. Um, but I, I suppose most people are going to be just rolling their free transfers, Sam. And uh, for me, I, I always planned to, because I always wanted to have that sort of more information before I was going to make a decision about what transfers I was going to make. But is there some opprobrium, do you reckon, about people making transfers this week if it's not removing Stones or Gabriel? Do you think people would be like, oh, you know, that guy's just knee-jerking or that person's just knee-jerking if you did make a move this week? Say you, for example, if I didn't like Matoma or I thought, oh, Matoma's at rubbish. Look, Madison's got two assists. I just bought Madison because I thought he was at the heart of everything. Do you think people would be like, oh, Tom's just knee-jerked there? Yeah, so I, I think I think with this, the popular move, like you said, is going to be rolling for a lot of people because we we've picked our sides for the first few game weeks. Rarely do people pick for just one game week at a time now, especially at the start of the season. So most of our sides are looking really good for game week two. But the important thing here that FPL Harry mentioned earlier as well is game week three for most of our sides actually looks really, really strong as well. So I think, like he said, less so this season than in seasons past, it's it's not as, in, as important as maybe it, might otherwise be to roll that transfer because you don't necessarily need two free transfers in game week three to fix your side and to rejig it ahead of the fixtures to come. It's more around game week four when the fixtures change for the likes of Brighton and Man United, for instance, which a lot of us are piled up on that we'll probably want two free transfers by. For the time being, I think using a transfer this week isn't necessarily knee-jerking. A few people might quite uh, almost as a cliche, say that it must be knee-jerking just because the player that you're picking has scored points in game week one. But I think there's a lot of players out there that are good picks. We've seen them in new systems now. James Madison, Chilwell as well, being two great examples of players that maybe were just on the cusp of being not not quite template, but very popular picks in game week one. But we just wanted to see that little bit of confirmation that they were going to be playing in the roles that we wanted to see them in. The teams are going to be set up in a style that we can get on board with as FPL managers. It lends themselves to FPL returns in the coming game weeks. And I think with both Chilwell and Madison in mind as the two that I'm earmarking, they are two players that I've seen already in, ga in game week one enough to know that over the next few game weeks, they are going to be very handy to have in, in our sides. Chilwell, I think, will be the more popular of the two because I think it is a bit knee-jerky to be transferring out an 8 million to 9 million midfielder to get across to Madison this week because a lot of those price point players are still doing really well. You'd expect them to do really well with the fixtures they've got coming up. I'm looking at the Arsenal and the Man United boys in particular. Whereas with Chilwell, we've got two ready-made transfers out, potentially, in Gabriel and Stones around his sort of price point. So I don't think anyone could really classify that as knee-jerking. No. I, I, I suppose if um, you do take the logic that in game week three, your side looks pretty good anyway, and you're pretty mm. convinced. Yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate, because I think we're both going to be rolling anyway. But in that kind of example with Matoma, I've got five million in the bank. Maybe I'll be looking at it and thinking, oh, you know, Madison's going to rise soon. He's one I really want. Yeah, I know they've got United next, but no, I've, maybe I've seen enough, as it were, um, to, to, to move the player in. I think I think he got two assists from like one XGI this week. Yeah, around that. It was like 0.94. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, the, not the data really matters at this point. <laughs> but I mean, is, is that going to be enough right now, or should you kind of just stick to your guns I, I do think there's a for me i'd ultimately come down to sticking to my guns and not trying to move too hard with the market i'm just looking at what we've seen thus far we've seen them at isaac the first player to rise this year so that'll be a, a quiz question uh, <laughs> in future and um, 
Chilwell as well, um, who's a second to, to Isaac. There's 190,000 chance of him for Chilwell, so quite a lot there. Uh, mm-hmm. Madison kind of holding steady about kind of um, 72,000 managers buying in. So it's, it's not, at the moment, I don't think the needles can be moved that much. But you know, I'm, I'm just not sure it's um, for me at the moment to be, to be doing that. It's just if you kind of think you've got a move that you really like this week, and your team you use like FPL.team or something, look at your team for game week three and you think, you know what, well, actually I can use a move this week, roll net roll in free, and then for four, when the fixtures change, like Sam said, for teams like Brighton, then maybe you might want to, you know, do it that way and kind of try to get 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 on a kind of an early bandwagon this week if you're truly convinced that a player is going to be, you know, worth it. Um I think I, I'm sure I, I'm, I'm sure I saw this earlier on. I think I think it was Estepinian who uh, is the current XGI leader in the Premier League after one week. I think it's like <laughs> one one point seven XGI because he created so many big chances, didn't he? He did. Like, yeah, there's so many pullbacks um, and obviously just getting into ridiculous positions, which is why we all own him. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, I, I can I can see why if you look at just, just the planning in general, why you might want to do it. And I wouldn't obviously if people I wouldn't let people kind of accuse you of being a knee jerker, uh, set you back too much. But it feels like we're kind of pro template really on rolling FT and just seeing what happens going forward, doesn't it? At the moment, because we were scanning information to go on apart from real spicy piping hot takes thus far. Yeah, I think so. And just the final point on that as well. It's all well and good us saying, oh, you can use your your free transfer this week and roll in game week three. But as we know from game week one, things happen and random injuries occur, random rotation occurs, and there will be a whole new set of players that you probably want in at the end of game week two that you might want to then not roll your transfer in game week three anyway. So uh, into game week three anyway. So I, I think it's easy to say this wouldn't be knee jerking and and you can use your transfer now, but always do look ahead and, and think wh- what would the potential benefit of having those two free transfers be? And I think that outweighs the benefit for me of pressing forward with a transfer pick this week at the moment, which is why I'm pro template. Yeah, sage advice. So um, for those with Stone slash Gabrielle, we've got a few questions from the community here at FPL School. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to hear thoughts on the benefits of keeping Gabrielle and not moving to Saliba. Uh, if you may move, miss some games for tactical reasons, um, then Saliba seems clearly far more nailed. FPL Lama says, Gabriel owners without anything in the bank. What do we do? Doesn't matter if we see a price drop coming. Maybe he doesn't own Chilwell, perhaps, and was thinking, oh, you know, not sure what to do there. And mm. Andrew FPL Breakpoint got very unlucky. For those of us who have both Gabriel and Stones, what is more valuable, fixing one of those problems now or having two frees and more info in game week three? Should we take Gabrielle first and then yeah. move on move on to Stones and then maybe kind of finally address people who have got the two potentially? Yeah. Um, I I do think there's a decent chance Gabrielle plays Crystal Palace. I think there was definitely Arte said afterwards it's very much about mixing things up, I'm paraphrasing, to basically hurt the other team as much as possible uh, especially because now we've got the strength and depth to do that it certainly makes sense so it's obviously a bit of a shock that Gabriel didn't play it was 74 games I think it was in a row that mm. he played for Arsenal um, and it seemed very much as though um, there's an element of Forest's away uh, how they set up away which had an impact on that so I saw yeah. Mark Southern saying that, that they they kind of actively seed the ball when they're away from home and everything is basically focused on getting that counter-attack while deploying a low block. So maybe Arteta felt, you know what, it's, I'm not going to bother with two central defenders and Gabriel and Saliba and play it slightly differently because Declan Rice was playing the auxiliary centre-back. So you basically had another player who could then join the attack as Rice did. I think Rice, Rice hit the post at some point, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. So <laughs> I think... I think that maybe that was just a particular setup um, for, for for Forest. Yeah, but you, you could equally argue, of course, that Palace can set up that way. So I may be completely wrong. I've just got a, I've just got a suspicion that maybe that was kind of Forest playing away at the Emirates um, that kind of meant that Arteta was kind of doing a bit of four D chess Pep Guardiola style and kind mm. of set up in a particular way, where just to try to add an extra man to the attack. Um, so I think that that's kind of where I'd go. Um, Obviously, I'd be looking at the 0.1 drop, and it's hard for me to put as of every as of everything like this. It's very difficult to put yourself in the shoes of the person who owns Gabriel. Um, but being having been in that situation in the past of a player who kind of has been dropping relatively early, um, I probably would give it one more week and give it and have a bit more information. Just take 0.1 drop. I mean, um, 
FPL school said about moving to Sleeber, for example, if Gabriel does play the next game and then kind of it was just kind of a one game thing, which it, there is a possibility that that's the case. I'm not saying it's massive. I'm not saying it's like hugely likely, but probably got, you know, a decent chance of that being the truth. And Gabriel then goes on to play, you know, 30 games or at least the first we're looking at him up to game week seven. You know, he plays every mm. game after this. Then, you know, are you going to, re- it doesn't really matter that much versus losing out on the transfer and, and losing out on, you know, the, the possibility of more information. I don't think it's worth selling at the moment. I don't. But if you do have 0.5 million in the bank, then grab Chilwell <laughs> would probably yeah. be what I'd say. Uh, otherwise, yeah. at the moment, we don't have enough information to say very much more. I'm not sure I want to try side shuffle over to Saliba because I think that there's a, chance, a good chance that Gabriel actually plays against Palace. Obviously, I've got, I'm not, not an ICK, so I might be completely wrong, but that's kind of where I am with that one. What would you do, Sam? Would you be um, looking to just correct the mistake in inverted commas or would you be um, reluctant to um, do that and sit back and watch? Uh, no, I'd, I'd confidently hold on to Gabriel this week. Um, I, unless you've got the 0.5 in the bank to chill well, in which case I would be tempted. I actually think I might hold off on that as well. The reason being, I do expect Gabriel to start against Palace and Palace are awful defending set pieces. So I was saying to you earlier... I actually really am quite fearful of not owning Gabriel this week, thinking he probably will start. He's great aerially. He's great in the box from corners and set pieces generally. I can, I, I think there's a set piece goal written all over this fixture. And I'm really worried that Gabriel is going to be the one on the end of it. I think he will start. And I think he will still start the majority of games for Arsenal. It's just interesting now to know that this system is in Arteta's armory if he ever wants to use it against a team that is going to spring on the counter maybe not play a a classic center forward um, and just soak up the pressure and spring on them so that is something to monitor on a game by game game by game basis but I think for the time being against Palace in particular I would be pretty surprised if they didn't revert back to the norm and play the two center backs Gabriel is normally a lock in that side I don't think one game is enough to um panic me too much there but long term or medium term I would eye up the fixtures and think when's the next opportunity that Arteta might try something a bit like this and just pencil that in as I need to probably get rid of Gabriel by then I wouldn't be worried about a price drop at this point there are going to be a lot of 4.5 million defenders in a few game weeks time that we can hop across to from Gabriel so if he even goes down by 0.1 I think he's a decent hold for the time being the only thing to watch out for is that um, he's a current transfer window victim. Um, they've just come out tonight from um, on Twitter that he's being targeted by the Saudi Pro League at the moment. Oh, right. So okay. It was a decision made, made for you and not very and not very long. But hey, wow. You know, there we go. We'll see. Um, obviously, if you've got Jerry and Timber, <laughs> then sell because he's I think he's had done his ACL according to news in the Netherlands. And if you've yeah. got Stones, yeah. I think the kind of the thing to probably do is just get Chilwell and be done with mm-hmm. it. And I think that you know, Chilwell going forward is the guy you want to know anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. cool. Cool. Um, what are we up to next? Uh, further knee-jerk thinking? Anything else that we want to be kind of talking about here? So, I, we did get a few questions on kind of just general knee-jerkiness uh, as those knees shake from left to right. Um, don't panic FPL. Says, how important do you think reacts to the price changes at this early stage? Well, I think we've sort of addressed that already. And um, mm-hmm. Keetan Chopra is deleting the app, the only and best way to stop the knee jerk temptation in game week two. And Joshua <laughs> Biggs, I'm going to roll these two together, um, asks, who is the most knee jerk transfer in this week? Isaac, Madison, Reese James? The funniest one he says would be Leno. I mean, I, I can see why, for example, Keetan is saying, you know, uh, maybe there's an opportunity to knee jerk. I mean, he later said that he's he started with Richarlison, for example, um, and there's reports that Spurs are looking at another striker, so maybe that could be one. He said that he's, he's got money to get, get Madison straight away. Um, I, I don't, I'm just not particularly sure. Uh, that point, and bringing in Josh's question that the mm. likes of Isaac Madison, yes, I've got my eye on him, but I'm not kind of so convinced of the player I'd be selling. Um, that I want to make that move yet, and um, Reese James as well. Um, I, I don't. I don't think it's worth knee jerking at the moment if you're in that situation. And you, I mean, you, you could absolutely just be at the start of a bandwagon and be the guy who's there first, the guy person. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, what do you think about all of this sort of thing? Is it very much a case of 
just relax. But I mean, can you see the point of view of somebody who's kind of thinking, well, everybody else is just kind of holding back. I'm going to take a chance. Yeah, there's something to be said for attacking. And a lot of very successful FPL managers get on the crest of a wave very, very quickly, attack the fixtures early on, maybe even wildcard early. Not that I'm suggesting you do that, but a lot of the most successful ones in any given season happen to get on the right players at the right time and then they ride that wave. However, I think more you tend to hear more of the success stories than you do the failures, the same way that if we're talking about betting or gambling, you hear people when they're winning rather than when they're losing. So do be careful that you've heard it be successful before, but there are a lot of cases where it hasn't paid off and the players that you are, in inverted commas, knee-jerking for have actually eventually gone off the boil and don't end up being the the season-defining players that you think they might be. Um, Isaac, I think, is a good player, and I wouldn't normally call him a, a knee-jerk transfer, but considering his fixtures coming up and when and and when you're looking at the players that you might be selling to get to him, same goes with Madison as well, by the way. The players that you're selling to get to these players are, within their own right, fantastic FPL picks that I would expect to return well over over a four to five game week stretch. And one game week isn't normally enough data to reliably say, oh, that's a busted flush. That was a terrible pick and I should be getting rid. And as as we might have mentioned earlier on in the pod, up until the United game, eight out of eight of our players in our team have returned so far. So, and I, and I think it's quite similar across the community. A lot of our players, a lot of the popular picks have actually been returning in game week one. So I, I would say, I would err on the side of caution here. Don't get rid of a returning player just because they might not have been the the hot topic that week. They're still ticking over. They've got good fixtures ahead and you've picked them for a reason. Give them a little bit longer than one game week to prove why they deserve a spot in your side, unless there are mitigating circumstances like injury, like yeah. a system change, for example. And those are the, the spots in underperforming assets that I'd be looking to move on and, and try and find a better upside pick to attack over the next few game weeks. Certainly. I mean, at the, this season in particular, assuming that most of us have got eight or nine of the same picks, I, I don't think there is any scope at the moment for much regret over mm. the players you the picks. As I said at the end of the pricing pod, it is very, very, very difficult for an engaged manager to pick a bad team. In the light of game week one, you may be thinking you've got a bad team, or maybe you didn't captain Holland and therefore you're already kind of a few points behind. But that's a, not a bad decision, but a decision that didn't go your way. It's not mm. It's not that you've got a bad team there. Um, in the past, I've moved players on after game week one. I remember a few years ago um, uh, when Kai Havertz came to the Premier League, for example, I was really high on him because of the FB ref data and, and showing um, you know, how good you have been in Bayer Bi- Leverkusen. And I watched him play for Bayer Leverkusen when we were playing fancy Bundesliga for a bit uh, <laughs> before Project Restart started. I love the guy. I love him foot manager too. So I bought him on kind of just a bit of a hunch and he was like, Lampard, she didn't know what to do with him, just shunted him on the right wing. So I got rid of him straight away. I think I bought in James Rodriguez who got a couple of assists next game week. But that's a very kind of specific example. Most of the time it is about not knee-jerking too much. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, Apart, I regret the fact that we had to make pressurized decisions, Sam, within that kind of you know that ten minute window, especially with mm. the Saliba thing, but also kind of you know through Stones has gone out now, kind of what the right wide ramifications of that, and having to really kind of narrow everything down and process everything incredibly fast. But I don't really have too many regrets in terms of the team that we end up with because it, it made total sense all the way through. Definitely seen a few posts. Um, being a little bit more regretful than perhaps should kind of happen. But hey, there we go. Someone's just scored. Someone has just scored. I'm waiting to figure out who it is. Um, United goal. It is a United goal. (laughs) Breaking news, everyone. United have scored as you're listening to this the next day. Um, But but yeah, I, I completely agree. It's 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 one of those where you don't want to overreact one game week of data. Varane scored, did he? Oh, template pick. Everyone's got Varane. Panic over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I don't plan on personally knee jerking this week. I, I don't think you do either. And I, there's nothing there's nothing really against making those moves. Again, the te- the ten minute window that we made those pressurized decisions in because we're 
we, we planned for so long. We've been talking about our moves for a month. At certain times, we've analysed the 6.5 million midfielders. We know which ones we want anyway. So when that extra million became available, we were able to react quite quickly to, okay, right, Stone's down to a 4 or 4.5. Oh, look, we've got a million spare. We can actually move that into midfield where we've got a plethora of 6.5 million options. And we know quite confidently that those are within their own right, very good players. And it didn't feel like it was massively knee jerking in that situation either. Uh, But yeah, I, I don't have too many regrets based around the deadline and the decisions we made, but I guess two or three game weeks time, we might start regretting it a bit more if Jao Pedro becomes a six or 6.5 million asset and he's scored every single week for the first three or four. Yeah. And but the beauty of that, and uh, the reasoning as well, sort of slightly behind going to Matoma, is that one, there's always sort of places to go to from the midfielder. And also, Jao Pedro um, is going to remain, his, his ceiling for rising is not particularly massive. I mean, he's only going to be able to get up to what, six, 6.5 maybe total. Even mm. everybody in the game buys him. <laughs> he's not going to go up that far. So he's always going to be affordable. So hopefully. It's not too bad. But yes, two points down on um, going Matona over Pedro, which was something that we were both looking at at the time. Right. Uh, shall we pop on to bold claims? Let's um, do it. So last week, we had three strikeouts, unfortunately. We had uh, <laughs> yeah. you, a Villa, to win by two or more goals. And I'm not sure whether you get negative points for that, Sam. Um, uh, let, let's not do that. Let, <laughs> let, let's uh, let's keep it as just nil-nil. Um, I, yeah, sadly, I did say Villa to get off to a really strong start. Uh, they did look in patches quite impressive, but Newcastle steamrolled them in the back, in the back few minutes. The scoreline did suggest an absolute mullering. I think it was tighter than that for most of the game. But yeah, Newcastle fully deserved their win. They got off to a cracker. So I'm sure there'll be a team we're looking at in the game weeks to come. But yeah, no points for me. And uh, what was... You weren't too far off, actually, were you? You weren't no, predicting a high-scoring game. I did. I, I predicted 4-3 uh, between Brentford and um, Spurs. So... Mm. Yeah, did not happen. <laughs> so, no, yeah. I, I thought you might be in the money there at, uh, at around half time. Uh, yeah, half time. Half time. That was, that was a, that was a re- really fun game, wasn't it? Like mm, it, just, it, was. it was. It was so fun, and then it just didn't never really went anywhere. It was the same as the Chelsea Liverpool game. Like great, great first half, and just kind of never really progressed in the second half to keep up the momentum. It was a bit sad. But yes, mm. strikeout, strikeout, and the listener claim that we went for last week was our friend of the pod, Tom Campbell, Utley TC, said Slanky with the highest. Scoring player this week, uh, he did score, um, but he wasn't the highest scoring player. So, unfortunately, not a bad a, shout though. He looked really good. It's strikeouts all round. Um, I uh, yeah. I, I, Let's have a look at uh, game week two, shall we? I think I think you're first, and I think it's something we've spoken about already. So uh, why don't you lead the way? I mean, we all we all love a redemption story, don't we? We all love <laughs> a punishing the sellers story, and um, we all love. Uh, that sort of arc of renaissance. So I, I, my bowl claim this week is that Gabriel with his 5.0 XG that everyone was pointing on about before pre-season, before the season began, comes back into the team for Arsenal and scores versus Palace to punish the sellers. And we are going to be podcasting within that game, Sam. So, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the sofa score. Boom, boom, and it being, Gabriel, he's done it. And I shall be very happy, oh, especially, you know, a Sleeble assist him. So that'd be cool. Um, yeah, yeah Gab- Gab- Gabriel to score and punish the, and punish the sellers is my uh, is my prediction, uh, which is kind of you know, self-Schadenfreude. I'm not sure that's even the thing. Um, but hey, you know, at this point, I don't really care. But <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I am genuinely scared that that happens. I, I actually have a, a bit of a hunch. I might put a fiver on it just to make sure that if it does happen, I can celebrate a little bit. Um, but anyway, my uh, bold claim for this week is Rashford to, well, it doesn't look too promising based on the game so far we're seeing today, but I've put Rashford to a bag of brace against Spurs. The reason being... Spurs are playing quite high out from the back. They are probably going to be susceptible to exploitation from a high line and Rashford getting in behind seems on the cards. So again, might be a bit of an outside shout, but that is the point of this section. And I can see Rashford having some joy against that back line. So Rashford to bag a brace against Spurs is my bold claim for the week. I like that. I like that a lot. The only problem is if 
is if he's playing striker. Like, yeah, as we saw in the first half, we obviously haven't watched the second half because we've been here. Um, but I saw in the first half, he absolutely stinks striker. We, we both said it uh, in pre season that we have serious concerns about that happening. And obviously, bad up because the EO was uh, at least expected the EO was so high that it was just kind of like, well, and um, but yeah, as, as a striker, you know, he's he's very much toothless. Maybe we'll score now, um, especially if they bring Martial on or something, just a body in the sense of full role. Um, but yeah, I mean, we shall see what happens with that next week. But I, I like that. It'll be interesting to see how they go, especially if they set up to counter Tottenham. And it could mm. be a really fun game. could be you know, one of those proper kind of four fours. Um, but yeah. We'll talk about that later on because we've also got um, a bit of a question about which goalkeeper to play in our situation. It'll be interesting to see. I think you put a po- poll up, didn't you, earlier on? To, to I did, you. yeah. yeah I, so... I've got I've got the results for that that I, I've hidden from you just so we can do a surprise live on the no, pod. But yeah, I've collected some results from the community. Cool. Let's do that in transfer. Let's do that in transfers and captains anyway. Let's see, we'll see where you're going. Uh, so in, ter- in terms of the bold claims from the community this week, um, Ga- Charlie, a uh, friend of the pod, Phil Charlie, long-term listener, um, he also said Gabriel double digits. <laughs> so good man. Um, quite a few who were basically and had a sneaky suspicion that the Geordies were going to do Newcastle, uh, do City over. Uh, so John O'Forward uh, said Newcastle's shithouse, a one win over City. Uh, Robbie said Holland to blank over the Geordies. Versus the Geordies, sorry. Uh, Blue for Booby Kieran. Newcastle keep a clean sheet versus City. Mark Dorney. Newcastle beat Man City and punish us for sleeping on their assets. <laughs> so quite a few people believing that Newcastle are going to be surprising everybody at least on the other side of it you've got the Salah guys uh, so Dave Caesar, Dave Caesar of FBL Salah gets the highest single game week score of any player in FPL history mm-hmm. so I guess like a, a maybe a blowback from last year at Bournemouth at home where he got be blanked while everyone else scored loads of points in a 9 0 victory. Uh, Nick Maynard, a long time listener, uh, Salah blanks at Bournemouth, another route. So, history repeating itself to some extent. Mm. And uh, I guess on the other side of it, FPL gas Dan Salah is blanking its Bournemouth again. He does say, I'm hoping this more in hope than expectation. So, yeah, there we go. And there's a few others kind of hanging around uh, just to round it off. Uh, Joshua Viggs says Rashad scored a hat trick. Uh, Nathan, Nathan Jacobson says your man Diaby Sam is a top scorer mm-hmm. in game week two of these two attacking returns versus uh, Everton. I like see. it. Yeah, I like David, it. David, 23 FPL, Watkins at score Salah. Uh, Turner gets sent off, says FPL Oakwell, after everyone on Twitter starts him over the other keeper. <laughs> and finally, at Mr. Uh, two goals and assists for Bowen versus Chelsea in game week two. I think I, 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 the bold claim, I suppose, we should probably go with is one of the City ones, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That they're going to fall flat on their face. Um, I, I do like the I do like the ones that are obviously jinxing Salah. I do like kind of I do, I do like the RB one. I do like Joshua Biggs' one on Richardson scoring a hat trick, and obviously I'd love because I'm probably not going to start him turn the game sent off. But I mean, do you think it's Newcastle um, doing a number on City that's likely to be where we go with this week's for community? Yeah, there were two that stood out for me. The Salah breaking the single game week score record, which uh, I think All About FPL uh, told me on Twitter earlier today is 29 points. So for him to get 30 points in one game week would be quite incredible. So that would be the definition of a bold claim. However, I think just because of the the amount of people that were talking about Newcastle's prospects, I think it would be quite good to do a Newcastle sort of joint community one of Newcastle to do over City as the bold claim for this week. I don't know how that sounds to you. Okay. All right. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Because I guess it gives kind of two chances because we had those people who did answer. So fair play. Mm. I think we should probably, uh, probably pay testament to that. So yeah, we'll get that plugged in for, for next week. Absolutely. Good luck, everyone. Yeah, good luck indeed. Hopefully someone can, can get a point there. I, I think it's okay at the moment, but I think if we get to game week six or seven, we're going <laughs> to start, 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 start doing things like Man City to keep clean sheet next week. Uh, yeah, that's bold. Uh, anyway, Yeah, they'll become beige claims very quickly if oh, neither yeah. of us are oh, on the scoreboard we, after we, four or five we weeks. Used, <laughs> we, used to be the, we used to be the guardians against her, Sam. Guardians yeah. of the, against the beige. Yeah. <sighs> anyway... So, uh, moving on to the questions from the community just to end off this week. Probably it's going to be a bit of a shorter pod, um, which is absolutely fine. Lots of little bits and pieces to work through. 
First thing, a premature preseason proclamation. So Dave Glass says Jackson scored two goals and three assists and was lauded in preseason as a key buy. A Jota similarly too, uh, similarly too, but this weekend little of note from both of them. I know you're dubious about preseason, Tom and Sam, but should this be discussed on the show? So I mean, we, we both kind of gave our thoughts on preseason, didn't we, Sam? But there's definitely something to think about uh, in terms of this. Uh, maybe next year, and maybe you know. I suppose it kind of reflects what we were saying about, yeah, positioning is what's more important rather than who actually scored the goals. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting the two examples he gave actually there. So Jackson, I was actually really impressed with um, against Liverpool, even though he, he fluffed his lines a little bit and didn't actually get any returns. I thought he actually looked really good. He got some big chances. He led the line fairly comfortably and it looks like Chelsea aren't going to be going in for another centre forward. So he should get that starting... <laughs> that starting number nine role fairly consistently. So he is definitely a player that I'm interested in looking at a little bit more. Um, Jota, yeah, quiet game, didn't look too effective. And again, like uh, Dave says, goals and assists during preseason are always something that we take with a pinch of salt because they basically mean nothing because you don't know what opposition strength they're playing against. You don't know whether or not it's a system that they're going to be using in the season proper. And and you don't know how seriously the opposition are even taking the match. They might be using it as basically a training exercise or a, a fitness exercise. So goals and assists in preseason don't necessarily mean too much to me. There are certain preseason friendlies that you might read a little bit more into, but generally Liverpool didn't play. I, I think there are a few games where they got four or five goals or I think they scored at least three goals in every single one of their games so there's only so much that I can really take from that um, when the opposition strength is fairly low so Jota I'm not too bothered by at the moment um, but yeah just something to note for next season just don't read too much into the preseason form as it were but yeah like we said on the preseason pod look into the systems look into the structure look into who's building up fitness and getting minutes that's all absolutely fine but yeah goals and assists aren't high on my radar yeah that certainly makes sense well i mean we'll say it every year basically this is my, <laughs> my, the seventh year of doing this now i'm pretty sure the first kind of few weeks i was uh, the first few years maybe i, I was a lot more sort of interesting tracking tracking pre-season but now i just fully aware of the fact that it's mostly just bs let's be fair mm. right so next question uh, adam three five who there were a few teams who had questions about regarding the starting lineup Liverpool, City and Arsenal is probably the most prominent. How mm. much, if anything, do you think we could slash should read into the 11s they played this weekend as indicative of going forward? Now, we've already mentioned uh, Gabriel a little bit um, and obviously Nketiah started for Arsenal too, uh, which is a bit of a surprise to most people over Gabriel. So that's probably an interesting one to talk about. But we have spoken a lot about Arsenal already. So maybe let's stick with Liverpool and City. And, uh, City. Um, mm-hmm. they've got, starting with City, they've got the Super Cup, haven't they, this week? They so, do, yeah, Wednesday, I think. Mm, so it'd be interesting. I, I think most of us probably are down now to just Holland, aren't we? And mm. it, might, it may just be the case that it's the best way to insulate yourself from the pep roulette and all of the kind of negativity mentally that comes with it. Yeah, a, a City were an interesting one. I think there were two key notes that I found particularly interesting with the City lineup on Friday. One was that Foden started at left wing, which I wasn't expecting. I thought Jack Grealish had that locked down. So that's another route to a Foden start, which I would consider. Um, Although, again, with Foden, you never really know whether he's going to start or not or which position. And then is he effective in that particular position when it comes down to FPL points? You have to take it on a game-by-game basis. The second interesting thing is that Julian Alvarez not only started, but played 90 minutes. And then obviously KDB went off injured with what looks like a fairly substantial injury that should keep him out for a little bit of time. So that opens up another starting slot for Alvarez to fit into in that number eight role that I actually think he plays really capably in the absence of KDB. So that's quite interesting. It looks like Alvarez is probably going to get some more minutes this season than we saw last year. And at 6.5 could be fantastic value. So just want to keep an eye on there. But yeah, City at the moment, it's exactly what we all expect. There's going to be rotation, especially in defence. They've got so many high quality defenders now. Looks like Walker's going to stay as well, which might have 
a sort of impact on John Stones rather than inverting John Stones from right back into that centre mid DM role. They might do the same with Gvardiol on the left at times. So it might all get a little bit complicated because Walker's staying and Gvardiol's come in. So I don't really have too much confidence in any of the City defenders at the moment. Um, going forward, a little bit more confidence in Alvarez, but other than that, Haaland and and that's it for me right now. Yep, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And uh, Liverpool-wise, uh, obviously, Bournemouth game potentially is going to be when the likes of Darwin are unleashed, for example. I think yeah. not been played last week. Um, I'm very jealous of those of Jota. I think Jota the Slotters probably be the one this week, that's for sure. Um, but, I mean, it, it's it's very difficult, especially because obviously they missed out on two transfer targets, Casado and um, and Lavia to Chelsea, it looks like at the moment. Um, mm. I, think, I think that team's going to be kind of slightly patchwork until we until somebody pitches up to play the number six role uh, to kind of pin it all together. Because at the moment you've got uh, McAllister sort of playing Max six, um, but it doesn't feel quite right. And I think there's something about watching them play. It, it kind of felt like it was missing something. And I think having that sort of dedicated player to play in that role is also going to be really important, especially if you kind of long-term for someone like Trent, for example, if they do kind of revert back to that inverting Trent thing where he becomes a quarterback, he needs a six next to him. And he's not yeah. going to be getting that uh, until they get an actual six. And yeah, it may be that Liverpool do get to the end of the transfer window and they're, they're kind of deciding to just trust, trust Pachetic. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we'd see with those. Um, and I, I don't know, I think with, with Arsenal, you're probably, Gabriel, yeah, that's probably a question. But with Martinelli, with Saki, you're probably okay. With Ceci, you're probably okay with Holland. And with Liverpool, if you own Salah, and you own um, or you own Trent, you're probably okay as well. If you own one, if you own one of the others, then you're aware of the risks. Is is, is how I kind of pass that. Does that yeah. sound about right? Yeah, that sounds bang on. At the end of the day, they play three forwards, um, and there's four quality players there at least. So there's going to be rotation, or even five quality players there. Sorry, uh, Gakpo will drop into the midfield sometimes, but when that happens, he's a less effective FPL asset. So. Yeah, it, for me, the only one I'm really that interested in as an FPL player right now is Salah, and I'm not planning on moving across to him this game week. So uh, I, I think with Liverpool, we kind of knew what the issue would be. They're lacking that pendulum in the in the number six role. And I think at times Chelsea were able to stretch that, take advantage of that, and other teams will be looking to do the same. So for the time being, until the fixtures turn more consistently positive, because outside of game week two, I don't think they're that incredible for quite a while yet. I'm happy to just give them a watching brief. Hopefully they settle down. They get that number six in um, and figure out a system that we can be a bit more confident on who's going to start and where week in, week out. So we can start picking them Certainly. as FPL picks again. Certainly. Cool. All right. Uh, Martin H. FPL Antiques. I've seen your email. I will read it soon, Martin. I promise. Uh, he asked, which wait and see players made the biggest leap up on your watch list? He said that Jackson was his uh, just from the first week of uh, the eye test. I think it's Madison for me. Um, he was mm -hmm. one that was on, on the on the watch list. I actually can't. I've said earlier and I could get to him in one move. I can't. Obviously, he's 7.5, not, not 7. Um, but I thought he was very kind of central to how Spurs played. Uh, didn't yeah. necessarily kind of get reflected in the underlying data, um, but he was very central to how Spurs played. I was very impressed with his performance. Um, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure you can be too surprised by that. And the other one that really stood in mind uh, for me was Mbumo um, at Brentford in the same game. Um, very unlucky uh, not to score. I, very unlucky. I don't, I don't know which way round it is. <laughs> very unlucky or lacking skill uh, not to get a brace out of that game um but another one who it's all basically and we'll come on to this in a second actually oh, actually no, let's, let's, let's chuck dave caesar's questions here in here actually so dave caesar's fbl so which price point looks best to jump on jump off for transfers maybe even two to three, maybe even for two to three weeks like it really feels like that price point at the moment is where i kind of see things going but bruno has blanked tonight by the looks of it, I think we're kind of in the 18, over 90 minutes now. And uh, yeah, about one minute well. to go. So, yeah. I mean, it maybe we'll see you know, uh, itchy feet on Bruno before long. Um, but I, I feel like that kind of Matoma 6.5-ish spot 
it's all completely up for grabs for a player like Diaby um, mm-hmm. or a player like a Bumo or a player like um, you know, I'm trying to find the one million to get to a Madison or something or something. Um, it's going to be kind of where it goes for me. Uh, yeah, Madison was definitely the one that, that jumped up the most, and then Bumo too. And Bumo arguably would have been one of those that would have been more considered if we'd have had more time to think about it. But as it was, it was kind of like, all right, I'm going with Pedro. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. Oh, you know, I haven't, I, okay, I've got to make a really quick decision here. Do I want to get the 6.5 million full slot? Yes. Uh, I, I got Pedro, I'm going to get him a toner. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. how it went. But maybe I'd have given Mbumo uh, uh, more thought uh, if, if it had been the case. I mean, what do you think about that, Sam? Who's the, the biggest watch this jumper? And do you agree with me on that midfield slot at the moment being the most fun one for, for making transfers? Yeah, I mean, I I like your watch list picks as well. James Madison really stood out to me as well. If I was going to add one into the mix that I was really interested in, it would be Julian Alvarez at the moment. I think if he can nail down a a starting spot for City with less and less options to compete with him at the moment, he could be one that is a bit of a game breaker at 6.5 and Again, I completely agree with your summation on the 6.5 million midfielders being the jump on jump off points at the moment. I think also uh, around 7.5 mark comes into that as well. But then I'll also add to that the forwards down from Ollie Watkins all the way to like a 6 million. That could be an interesting jumping on jumping off point. You've got Watkins there. You've got Jackson. Visser look good in game week one as well. And then you've got potentially at some point the Liverpool boys and Darwin and Gakpo at some point might become factors. So even though I don't think that's a a right now, I think at some point in the the coming five or six game weeks, that might be uh, a, a place where we're jumping on and off at some point. It's going to be fascinating really once we get to game week uh, three, uh, what we're going to do with the money um, and, and what we're going to do when we've got a bit more flexibility. So that money, maybe a mini wild card or at least maybe a kind of a double move, something like that to try to kind of um, see if we can make it a slight difference um, in our teams going forward. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. Uh, FPL Brain joke question, was Sandro Snali's debut the greatest FPL debut ever? Oh, Newcastle fan, I've heard that he drinks Moretti, eats spaghetti, and doesn't like Southern. That's all I know. Um, <laughs> Tonali is fantastic on Foot Manager. Mm-hmm. Very, very tidy on his debut, from what I saw. Um, just a really great addition, basically, uh, to Newcastle. Uh, although yeah. I, you know, I, I can only imagine if you come from Milan, come from Milan, you end up in, in in the cold north. You're like, what the hell am I doing here? So <laughs> anything I, I maybe would be uh, question about, about, about Tonali. We'll see how he does in the winter basically JP mm. and finally FPL Oakwell um, interesting one to segue us into transfers and captains I own Salah I fully intended to captain him in game week two I mean, we got so lucky this week we haven't mentioned him but we got so lucky this week with Salah mm. <laughs> only getting the assist to be honest um, and he's but Oakwell says I'm only I'm getting twitchy now do I stay the course or do I follow the crowd onto Holland for game week two's captaincy against Newcastle so I mean if you own Salah Sam I guess I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's not because you've got to own him to. You've got to captain him if you own him. But surely you must be thinking. You know what? All right. I probably need to um, at least give serious consideration to captaining this guy because I, I'm guessing this is why he was bought in the first place. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, for me, if you've got Salah in your team, and it was a consideration I was making as well, the reason I would have Salah in my game week one team is because I fully intended on captaining him against Bournemouth in game week two. So with that in mind, absolutely nothing I saw against Chelsea would put me off that. He looked really good down that right wing. He very, very marginally got a a goal called off for offside, and he hit the bar as well with a great effort. So on another day, that could have been a monster haul. Bournemouth, at, uh, Bournemouth, I think it's at home, presents another great opportunity for points for Salah. You bought him for a reason. I think you don't really get the full value out of him if you if you don't didn't plan on captaining him in game week two. Nothing I've seen so far would convince me to go elsewhere on that. Haaland is going to be fantastic in any given game week, but I wouldn't let your decision-making prior to game week one be shifted by what happened in game week one, considering Salah did actually have a very good game in his own right. Um, So yeah, I I would stay the course, go with Salah. You made that decision for a reason. It's a decision I didn't personally go with. So I'm happy with Haaland as my captain. I won't be knee-jerking to get to Salah. But I think if your decision was 
I'm going with Salah from the off. I think you stay the course because he looked fantastic in game week one. I mean, I I don't know. I I would maybe think to myself if I was being conservative about this that I'd be like, I've got Salah. He's a fantastic differential in 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 my team, but I, I could cover my ass with Holland. So if it goes really wrong, you know, if Salah does nothing, and I've at least kind of kept pace for everybody else. Yeah, is this is this the time to pick your battles? Well, if if you use FPL review, then absolutely you should be captain Salah. Um, it's just making that judgment between effective ownership and the possible downside versus the upside. And if you truly believe that Salah could do it, which of course he could, play played pretty well against Chelsea. Was very angry to come off. Mm. Um, sure. I mean, it really is down to your own personal risk appetite. I think I'm afraid, uh, and it sounds like you're kind of more like me. FPL like well um, I know you've listened to me for a few seasons and woe betide you for that and um, I know you're more like me it sounds like more than like me in terms of being a bit, a bit twitchy and kind of just using Salah as kind of a differential within your team that's cool I mean that's a that's a, that's a fine way of doing it like if you take the price points out of consideration you just think okay well who's probably like to score more probably it's going to be Salah but if you've kind of thrown back in again maybe you might think oh you know and, and in fact if ownership in again maybe you just think well maybe I just go with the flow of Holland move WTC with the crowd and then grab uh, go with Salah um, I, I, I'd, I'd be completely backing you basically let's say how you get on which is having Salah as a differential for this week even if you got he gets 12 points and Holland only gets an assist I mean obviously it's an opportunity miss but given how relatively low owned Salah is proportionally that's still a big win um, obviously you want to maximise your wins at some point is this the time to risk it I don't know I, 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 I probably would be checking out right now <laughs> that's why i didn't want to even i didn't even open the pandora's box of salad basically so sam it looks like um we've got our final outcomes uh for this week um we are we've got 85 i think um mm-hmm. uh, nana got a uh, got six saves um and it's likely likely to come in with that with one bonus as well if we're lucky um, so yep, and yep. nine points from him to two well I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say they're all returned sam because bruno Fernandes and rashford both got clean sheets therefore <laughs> never returns well done everybody um, sure. um Play- yeah, eight, 85, 85 points to start the season is pretty decent i mean that takes into the top 250k according mm-hmm. to like fpl and to start the year, I'm I'm happy with that. That's the same as I got last year, and then from here you've got foundation to build. So yeah, um, that's that's a very decent start. Should we yeah. look at uh, transfers and captains to finish off the pod for this week? Let's do it. Yeah. So I've started off. I believe it's with your team on on the on the screen. However, is- who would know because it's the same team. <laughs> so you you can lead the way with uh, your starting eleven, and we can talk about the goalkeepers as well in this yep. section. Yep. So um, I save machine Anana, who's just managed to slap in a six point, an eight, a nine pointer, potentially maybe an eight, but. Uh, maybe hopefully nine points versus Wolves has Spurs away uh, so I've got him in goal uh, Saliba Chilwell and Espinion it's, you're going to have the same team here uh, Sakamar certainly Bruno Rashford and Matoma and up front uh, Watkins and Holland who's the captain mm-hmm. I am a man on the bench down with Kabore uh, not having a game Baldock potentially being injured I saw some rumbles he had a calf strain something like that but I mean who cares and um, the the main decision for me this week is playing Turner over Onana Uh, for me because last year when I was in Hong Kong I remember um, I think it was Nick and Nick and Lucy covered that pod did you cover that pod I I think Uh, it might well have been that one yeah Yeah, I definitely covered with Lucy one week but that was the week then I benched Ramsdale for Danny Ward and Ward got two points and Ramsdale like pulled a blinder against Spurs got 12 points got 12 points there so Anana is going to face a lot of shots against Spurs and mm. even if he doesn't keep a clean sheet he's going to get a barrel load of saves and United are simply a better defence than Nottingham Forest i.e. Turner so my feeling is that I probably will keep an honor and goal and just hope for a saves fest. And you know, but equally, Sheffield United did look incredibly toothless. So it's very much kind of like a, a saves plus potential clean sheet bonanza of an honor versus Turner, where you'd be like, all right, clean sheet or or now. I know he got five saves, but he was playing Arsenal. I don't know mm. if he's going to be as bothered by Sheffield United this week. I don't even know if um, yeah, Johnston got one save against them. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's it's difficult, but I, I suspect I'll be going with Anana just in case uh, he does get that save fest based on my past experience. But I can see why people are playing Turner. And you're basically the same 10 outfield, but you're playing Turner, aren't you? Yeah, so at the moment I've got Turner um, in in the in the sticks. Um, Sheffield United at home presents a good opportunity for a clean sheet, I'd say. As I mentioned, I ran a poll um, on Twitter earlier just to see what the the the, the general feeling is about this decision right now. Four hundred votes, so a decent sample size, I, I would say. It's not not um, that big, but I think it's big enough to gather some data. Turner comes out with seventy seven percent of the votes to start. Um, and this was obviously prior to the Man United Wolves game. So it'd be interesting to see if those numbers change slightly. Now we've seen Anana collect a pretty big return, get a few saves and keep a clean sheet or whether it would uh, stay the same. I would probably assume that it hits at around 50-50 now after what we've seen Anana do tonight. And again, I shouldn't maybe react to one game week's worth of data, as we mentioned earlier, but actually seeing Anana pull off six saves against a Wolf side at home is quite uh, an interesting prospect. I, I'm interested to see how many saves he might be able to pull off against a side that will have quite a lot of shots in Spurs. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty 50-50 on it. I'll do some research during the week, but as it stands, my natural gut instinct was telling me to start Turner. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much uh, my bench is my bench sort of guy, which, which mm, again yeah. really begs the question, why the hell was I playing Chilwell <laughs> on my <laughs> bench? And I, I kind of am so glad, with, with apologies to John Stones, that he had a slight adopter problem. And there's, now there's no problem. There's no issue. I'm not, not having to worry about who I'm benching and who I'm not. So I'm, I'm probably going to keep an honor in especially now especially because he looks like a bit of a safe machine let's hope i've, I've seen there's probably a bit of controversy about not there not being a walls penalty in the last minute um so let's hope oh. there's no retrospective ban there i mean that could be that could be annoying and um, yeah, oh, okay. i'm, I'm I'm happy with where we are. No, I, I haven't. I've literally seen a, a, po a photo on Twitter. Um, as, as <laughs> I'll I, keep an as, eye on it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we shall see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly happy and fairly happy with a start. I'm 85 start of the season. That's always a very nice start. So hey, there we go. Right. Well, thanks for listening to us. I think that's that's uh, that's us, isn't it, Sam? That's our lot. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we were Who Got The Assist. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the pod, if you want to follow us on Twitter slash X, you can do so at WGTA underscore FPL, or you can follow me personally at FPL Pricey. Again, on Instagram or threads, it's uh, at WGTA dot FPL. And again, I'm at FPL Pricey. And if you enjoyed the pod, if you could do one or all of the following, it'd be greatly appreciated. Follow us on the socials I mentioned uh, before. If you could give the pod a five-star rating on wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is. If you could give a five-star review, that would be fantastic. Or if you're watching on YouTube, if you could leave a like or subscribe to the channel, that would be greatly appreciated as well. All of these things really help get the pod out there to as many possible, uh, as many people as possible. Perfect. Thanks, Sam. Good to be back again uh, in the thick of the action, isn't it? Uh, after all of the empty talk of pre-season, uh, we hope we assisted you during the first weekend of action. Uh, back next week during the Arsenal game, <laughs> uh, barring any sort of you know, midweek shock injury or something like that, in which case we'll try to do something as we will every week. Uh, but either way, I hope we assisted you. Best of luck in game week two. Speak to you soon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.